0: Yeah.
2: And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Grand Slam Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanford and Michael to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where not only we review our AEW Dynamite but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamplet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite Grand Slam and let us talk about Dynamite. I love it. AEW have served up one hell of a show tonight. You really can't fault it. What a racket it's going to be in Arthur Ashe tonight. Fans are going to have a ball. It's going to be ace.
3: What do you think, Sidgwick? You deuce call us that! It's a birthday, you complete cock. <laughs> could have said, could have said, talk on the net on your birthday about this show, and you call him a piece of shit instead.
2: <laughs> call him a douche, not a douche. See, little little there. You got to listen to the verbiage, huh? I mean,
4: honestly, I try I'm trying to. Am I this show for you yeah, now? Like, to... <laughs> tennis punt to insult you with now. You umpire Boris becker looking. <laughs> Absolute becker. Two you two kinds of becker becker in it. is a
2: beaker? <laughs> yeah, beaker? Yeah, beaker, yeah, yeah. Boris Beaker, that's what you're
4: gonna say. <laughs> <Yeah>. Touch grass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh happy birthday. Uh, got, we've got Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson for you, along with all the other stuff. What a show to look forward to tonight.
4: I mean, yeah, it's my dream match. It's been my dream match for years and years and years. I mean, goddammit. Let's go. Let's go. The build's been great. Last week's functioned brilliantly to build it. Go down this card, man. Unbelievable. The matches themselves are great. The idea that there's only five matches compared to the usual six leads one to believe that Omega Danielson is going to get the time to craft the absolute classic that this has got all the potential in the world to be. I'm not necessarily a believer. That match length automatically equals a classic. You can they could do a five star right in fifteen minutes, mm. but I expect it to go twenty or there or thereabouts. Yeah, you don't want
2: this to be a Moxley Suzuki sort of situation. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So
4: Omega Danielson, it is one of the biggest dream matches, if not the biggest dream match in pro wrestling for the past however many years. They've sensed this, and they've simply built it on this very basic premise because it didn't need any kind of elaborate, intricate storytelling. Last week's segment was ablaze with fire. On the subject of ablaze with fire, the brawl between Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black was great. They've done the nice little AEW device in which Malachi Black's gone through all the stable members, killed them all, Cody returns, and when he did return, the crowd went white hot. Britt Baker and Ruby Soho did my least favourite kind of promo, and they did it magnificently to mm. make it all feel absolutely gigantic. FTR and Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears rubbed the face paint of Alan and Sting in a really great disrespectful, classic heel angle. MJF has been a completely quintessentially wonderful arsehole, the most disgusting, reprehensible reprehensible behaviour yet in AEW to get the heat on Brian Pillman Jr., and that's just, no offence, a mere undercard match. Hmm. CM Punk has been pissed off at the exact right time because he's not going to come out and do three minutes of the Punk stuff, which we all love, but you know... It's time to start getting serious. (laughs) You're going to get the best kind of punk promo. Five massively heated up matches to varying degrees across a seminal show held against what promises to be one of the most lush backdrops in literally professional wrestling history. It's AEW's biggest show. I cannot wait for literally every single second of it to unfold. Tennis. (laughs)
3: Tennis,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, no, of course, like all of that, all of that, and then some. It's just it's great. Uh, <laughs> it's a great time to be a, an AW fan because this is the best show on television. And stop lying, why are you lying? Like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, uh, hopefully chasing the success of the uh, Raw Six Man on Monday. I don't think they're going to give a toss, we don't need to compare that anymore. It's great, so great. Um, it feels like. So, this feels like a pay per view in and of itself, but also Rampage as the um, like taped, like follow through of this feels like the second half of it. Like the people going to this event tonight are going to get dark, are going to get dynamite, are going to get Rampage. And I don't think we're going to get any of the exhaustion that we felt a little bit in some of these Rampage tapings of late. I think it's going to just like, I'm tempted to tune in to dark next week a free YouTube show just to get my last look at this venue because I'm so excited for how brilliant the aesthetics are going to be and how cool the acoustics are and just having that massive crowd that are somehow going to feel a hundred foot in the air yet on top of the ring. Like the, the aerial shot yesterday gave you that WrestleMania week feeling because that's what this feels like this Mm -hmm. night rampage on Friday, dark next week, everything's big. Everything's awesome. Everything's been perfectly built. How can you not love this?
4: Well, it's funny you asked that question because before we move on, as hyped as you are, and I totally believe that you're completely hyped, I still think during this preview you will find time to give Cody Rhodes a backhand <laughs> a
2: compliment. <laughs> Very good. Very nice. Very nice. Very good. Yeah, I'm you know, it's, 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 I'm getting the, the hamflat. Do I get some cereal and stay up and watch this live sort of
3: vibes. You absolutely do. You do. You 100% do. This has got a live viewing all over it. Yeah, it's going to be... I um, don't...
4: Uh, my...
3: I'm like,
4: I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, like you say, I saw your you know your tweet and both of you reacting to the first sort of looks at, uh, at Arthur Ashe being transformed into a wrestling stadium. And I got the same the other week. It was great watching uh, Emirati Karu win the U.S. Open. Sensational for for British talent tennis, but I was always like oh that's sort all of good but imagine if it was like wrestling like a good sport going on in there basically
3: <laughs> that was it like the camera was like kept like zooming in on her like her face she was obviously like so full of like life and energy she was winning a tournament at this young age I was like yeah give me the uh, give me the pan out please I want a shot of the <laughs> venue can I just can I just see the full crowd again like like zoom out zoom out zoom out because you could just transplant a wrestling ring over that tennis court and it has come a pass those the, all those shots you see it's, it's perfect what a sublime choice this was It's not going to get talked about a lot because they've also arrived at presenting a brilliant card. But to echo the stuff we talked about when this first got announced, what an ingenious Mm. choice of venue for sure. this is. uh, The fact it's in New York just adds that extra bit of spice as well. They could have picked a venue like this in several spots in America or all over the world. And it's it's in somebody else's backyard, isn't it? And it's great. Now,
2: alongside the money that uh, Longbone Tone sends us to obviously positively talk about AEW, we also have to make money through the podcast, which is why I'm going to save you discussing Danielson Omega till towards the end, Siege. But what do you think opens <laughs> this show?
4: Um, I think Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black opens this show. Um, for no other reason than... Cody Rhodes likes to pick a spot because he's a... <laughs> Quality worker. He's the absolute quality worker. He's going to guarantee one of the biggest pops. How that sound actually forms is going to be something. I'm very interested in how he's received. We know that he got booed at double or nothing. He got booed throughout the build, even in the Carolinas. That must have stung um, against Malachi Black. And yet you returned in jersey to an enormous pop so mm. i'm very very interested i'm sure it's going to be heated whichever way the entrances i think will go long as you know they've got the two most elaborate and longest entrances in the company so i think that'll gobble into that opening hopefully commercially uninterrupted first segment cody
2: could break an umpire's chair this time <laughs>
4: If you want to make a mockery of the fact that it's a serious <laughs> judge, you could if you if you wanted to do that, especially with a tennis racket. My God, Will Bond's world, Will Bourne's world, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, I expect this to open the show. Um, it just feels like the most appropriate spot. MGF versus Brian Pillman Jr is going to control a lot of that, so I've got my pragmatic brain, not my stupid will world brain on. I'm trying to think <laughs> of this logically. MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. will have a long, protracted heat spot, a lot of which he can tuck in the commercial break. Um, FDR versus Allen and Sting will have something similar when they're just tossing Darby Allen around. Oh, toss? Yeah. What's that got to do with tennis? You toss the ball in the air. You, you th- I was going to throw him around. Throw the around. ball in the air as
2: well. They throw the ball to the ball boys. Mm. Okay,
4: so that will have a heat segment. <laughs> um, Baker and So Who Are Women? I mean, as much as we love <laughs> yeah. at the minute, they're not going to open the show. Right. I mean, there's a good argument that they should at some point, and these two women are certainly worthy of it. The occasion is worthy of the hot, rapturously received work, rate opener, but it simply isn't going to happen. Um, boring deduction, which I really want to do on this podcast, but regardless, leads me to. Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Should uh, I talk about the uh, result? Yes. Will
2: Will Cody finally get revenge for you?
4: Well, I think that the result is going to be fascinating either way. And it's going to expedite the inevitable either way. This so far has been a... Almost beat for beat retread of the Cody versus Brody feud. Yes. You get the right off ahead of the Go big home sh- uh, go big show
2: mm-hmm.
4: angle, in which Cody squash destroyed. Uh, there's a little tweak on it this time where he threatened to retire, and they've used the boot quite um poetically throughout um the run against the nightmare family. This happened with Brody Lee. Brody Lee then defeated Dustin Rhodes in genuinely one of the most underrated dynamite matches ever. It was fantastic. And then they had the um rematch. This is following that pattern. Is it following the pattern so closely because they're running out of ideas? No. I'm personally leaning towards the idea that they are following this pattern because it's a trusty device. The wrestler goes through the heel squadron to get to the final boss. It's an AEW storytelling device that Mm. they've employed pretty much since day one. But I think that they are mirroring the Brody Lee thing so closely so that when Malachi Black beats Cody for a second definitive time, it resonates as a big, big, big time shock. Um, So I think Malachi Black's going to win. If Cody wins, I legitimately think that, you know, I've been on board with him beating everyone he's beaten so far, knowing, because I'm not a bad faith actor, that he's elevated so many people. He's elevated the prestige of the title. He's elevated Darby Allen. He's elevated Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks in victory or in their defeat, if mm-hmm. you like, as well. Um, Chris Jericho got over big as Le Champion by himself, but the Cody thing really, really worked. Um, in that regard as well. MJF, of course, this for me, an ardent Cody apologist who knows he's put over the right people. I think he's genuinely put over the right people. MGF and Darby Allin are the right people, yeah. Archer, go over him, in my opinion, and he can't lose to everyone otherwise he wouldn't be a star that's how these things god work I do think and I think the match will be fantastic as well their little flashes of chemistry between um, Malachi Black's ability to outmaneuver Cody's map based amateur informed game with his um, MMA training was exquisite I expect to see far more of that even for me the Cody guy if he goes over Malachi Black I'll start to think oh, maybe not that one Maybe not him, he's really over and people are really into the act. And I do generally think that would be the uh, boiling point moment where a lot of people who are kind of wanting to boo Cody at this point will just go full ball.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I think Malachi has to win this unless, like you say, and someone suggested this, I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Hamlet. you get maybe not a double turn, because I think Andy and I talked about this saying that, you know, Malachi Black's not exactly your your white meat baby face sort of thing. But certainly if Cody maybe uses shenanigans to get the victory, let's say, then that's palatable as a way for him to emerge victorious. Any other way in terms of a a straightforward victory over Malachi Black doesn't seem to work in my head. What about you?
3: Yeah, double turns are obviously really hard to effectively pull off, but at least the components are in place to try if you were going to because of the booze that Cody's received and indeed the cheers that Malachi Black got. Um, and it is getting for his entrance. And you kind of feel that uh, eventually he'll be a baby face through force of will. People want to enjoy that character more than they want to uh, despise it. So I think we could get there. So the pieces are in place for a double turn. It's it's not something I really foresaw happening because I'm going obvious here. I slightly disagree with Sidricon Cody. This might be the backhanded com- compliment coming because of his 2021. Um, I would have given him the benefit of the doubt, especially because of that TNT title run, which I've banged on about loads on these podcasts. I loved it, loved it so much. Uh, I don't think they really put a foot wrong with that thing. Um, But kind of took the piss out of Penta and I understood the argument for beating Agogo, but I think that should have been a like 30 second knockout job. I think he would have got him more over and elevated him more with that than kind of no selling the boxing, ultimately and just beating him in a longer match. I don't think I did anything for Agogo um, other than give him a bit of pay-per-view spotlight. Uh, So it's, I don't, think he's, like, I don't think Cody's coming off a great run of doing this. I think that run came to an end at some point last year. And if anything, what I think this has built, this is just my sense, what I think this is built up in him winning is that rare and quite unpleasant WWE anxiety. of oh, don't have this guy win. Not tonight. Not tonight. It can't be. There's a little bit of that in the air. Oh, it can't be Cody tonight. It can't be. Um, Heel turns and all that. You know, there's there's ways you can find it and you trust AEW to make it work. Um, but I, I don't want to see it happen. I actually think this is going in the main event. Um, I'm reminded of how amazing it was when the CM Punk debut edition of Rampage started. You had the pants to the crowd to give people to get their daddy boy signs in the air. Um, and you could just feel the anticipation rising and rising and rising. Everybody tuned in for this one thing. Yes, they tuned in for a lot, but they tuned in most of all for this one thing. Crowd, 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 commentators, just holding on as long as you could. Basically just waiting to let out a squeal and then straight away you get the interference on the screen, and it's CM Punk's music and entrance, and it's happening. I think they can replicate that tonight and hit Daniel Bryan's music and start with uh, Daniel Bryan, sorry, start with Bryan Danielson versus Kenny Omega in the uninterrupted Dynamite opener. Um, You have people tuning in for this. They get the look at the crowd. They get the feel. They get the vibe. They get the energy. They get that very familiar music, and we're off to the races with the Dream Match. So I would actually flip the way that cedric has gone. There's no real wrong way to do it because you've presented such an awesome card. There's a few ways you could maybe get a couple of the mid-card matches wrong, but I don't think with the two big headline ones you can really screw this up. I think the crowd are going to bite on absolutely everything. I think it's going to look and feel like an awesome TV show, but that's the way I would arrange it. And with Dynamite ending, with Cody finally being definitively defeated by a rival, then I do agree with Cedric's thing. This does, it nicely mirrors the Brody Lee point up until the finale. And if anything, they've mirrored it as a way to, yeah, subvert your expectations. I think it's a cool way to go off the air. The the guy that built all this has been put in the mud by the guy that's here to kind of like take it over.
2: Let's move on and talk about the uh, women's title match, Britt Baker defending against Ruby Soho. We sort of went into this going, I'll be a really good, you know, challenger for, for Britt Baker's title and, you know, people will get into it and it has appeared to have made Britt Baker more of a heel in the fans' eyes. Uh, whilst you've got this baby face of Ruby Soho. But in, in recent weeks, I'm becoming more and more con- well, more and more convinced and less and less confident that Britt Baker retains this title. There is that question mark that we've missed in these women's title matches for quite some time, Hamlet.
3: Yeah, and it'll contribute to what I hope is going to be some great and helpful heat. Um, the feeling is this crowd is going to be hot for everything. And I certainly think they're going to bite on a title change because of the pretty good build, although well-received, even when it wasn't all great, I think it's been so well-received that it now feels, like you said, that there's a, a bit of tension around the result. I don't intentionally wish to compare uh, Britt Baker and Adam Cole to each other, just because they're a couple, but they are looking for the Adam Cole sweet spot with Britt Baker. That is to say, the amazing entrance, the huge reaction for her, the DMD, and then for her to get booed in the matches. That's sort of like the perfect chemistry for the Britt Baker act. And it's something that Adam Cole has mastered with his catchphrase and his sort of presentation, like dating back before NXT, but certainly mastered it in NXT, as we've all been in the building for. I think they'll get that with Britt Baker tonight. You've got the sense on Rampage that these fans are ready to be on the Ruby Soho bandwagon, almost in the understanding that she's going to lose. It's that kind of support where she's probably not going to get this done, but let's cheer her to the last. Let's Mm. try and be that like, you know, to use the football cliche, let's try and be the 12th man for her because we see her at this this disadvantage. We see her in a position where it's just so unlikely. Let's try and cheer her over the line. And she won't get it done, but I just get the sense that this presentation is going to be spot on for everything AEW want to achieve from this.
2: And I will bite watching this. If she hits whatever they call in the riot kick now, I'll bite on that pinfall as a, as a title change.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
4: Like we talk a lot about how the magic of professional wrestling is that in the actual midst of the match itself, if the work is so great and the crowd's been whipped up into like a fever pitch, they will bite on near falls that their rational mind that hasn't been overwhelmed with the emotion of the live, energetic, interactive experience of a professional wrestling show, they'll get into it and they'll do it. They forget their rational head. Mm. The genius here, in their rational minds, they think, well, yeah, she has got a chance. She's exploded onto the scene in AEW with a great theme that cannot go ignored, but it's not just that, like a work has been excellent. Um, the marketing behind the Ruby Soho persona really caught people, like it really, really got people And I don't wanna, it kind of sucks to invoke comparisons and bury someone when there's no need to, but it really does work as a generally um, handy reference point. When they both left, people were probably more inclined to want to see Buddy Murphy than Ruby Soho in AEW, realistically. Mm -hmm. Buddy Murphy went the kind of hacky escape from prison route. (laughs) And Ruby Soho did a lovely, really artfully, nicely filmed different version of that. Nuanced. Yeah, really captured people's imaginations. The aesthetics were much nicer. and There was a mystery component to it that was just better than, oh, he's going to break out with jailers. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's how they do it. Ruby marked marketed herself wonderfully. She's worked in the arrangement and a friendship to get this team. There's always the idea that there was so much talent there that had been completely underexplored by WWE. And she's massively over. Her promo made this match feel big time. Why not go with her? Because one of these days, I'm probably going to have to do a really shock title win Because there's certain title runs where you think, well, that's not going to go that long. The Baker one always felt like they've waited so long to strap her up that she's clearly going to go on for ages and ages and ages. Uh, Why not? Why not? It'll be a really interesting um, narrative development if, in fact, they go all the way with Ruby Soho. And it's not just the story being told. It's not just the work that she's done that positions there is it's a really credible challenger this is the most big time aw women's match i can remember since the lights out match but it's just a testament to how well people who market themselves have a chance it's just another and I, yeah i'll bury them to agree for this if you present people as stars people will think they have a chance of winning a match and they <laughs> don't care about the outcome match quality itself like i think this should be excellent mm. i genuinely think this will be excellent i hope it's compact and tight I hope the lesson has been learned from um, All Out. I suspect it will have been I uh, genuinely given the personal nature of the build on Rampage. I expect this to be quite vicious, and um, really tense. And I think this will be an awesome match. If I had to put money on it, I'd put it on Baker. But I wouldn't put much. And that's a credit to how well they've pushed Sobo and told the story.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: We've also got MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. tonight. MJF, uh, as you may have seen on social media, not exactly looking forward to heading to Queens. Uh, Sage, how will New York react to Long Island's MJF?
4: I'm looking forward to this. I don't know if you'll get mic time. If I'm Tony Cohen, I'm getting MJF to do the whole cut my music shtick and do a promo during the entrance. Um, I like the idea of MJF totally burying Queens as being like a, a, a rough and common area of New York compared to his beloved prized Long Island. For him to get booed and then say, come on, I'm from New York. As if it's the same thing and that he's getting pissed off. Um, it'll be funny to watch a New York crowd. Because he's effective. He's from New York. Boo, a hometown yeah. um, guy. What a testament that'll be um, to what a great heel he has um, become and kind of always has been. I think he's going to get booed out of that building. How he sells, it'll be hilarious either way. The match quality, I think, Pillman Jr. is a really fun 90s throwback, but there's a double-edged sword to that because as much as he embodies that proper happy guy tights 90s spirit, he also has a very 90s moveset, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily pop as much as something like a Phoenix or a Nick Jackson or a Park or a Dante Martin. Like we've seen, we are seeing literally like different generations of the aerial style all in one company and the ones that are two or three generations ago still feel wildly futuristic so I think as a result his crossbodies and the like just don't really get over that much as much as he put some spirit and some fire behind them so I don't know how good the match can be but I think ultimately it's going to be a big massive backdrop a big cacophony so that MGF can get absolutely booed out of a stadium. I think we'll remember that more than the match quality here. An MGF win. Yeah. The only result that
3: isn't in any real doubt. Mm. Like match quality, uh, like, again, sort of the point Sidri was made about like match length earlier on, as relates to um, Omega and Danielson. It goes the other way when sometimes any longer than it needs to be affects the match quality. Uh, for this to be as successful as it absolutely can be... Uh, creating a memory of MJF's time and Arthur Ashe. It doesn't want to be long. You ideally want this to be sort of no more than three or four minutes, I would say. You give like Brian Pillman Jr. a couple of hope spots, that one crossbody that like where he, you know, that like really spunky baby face pin where he's like not along with the referee come on, come on, count, 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 and then it just doesn't work out for him. And MJF gets it done because yeah, that promo is a thing to get excited about that. Like we have an opportunity here to create for MJF this scene this near riot atmosphere that you're going to get out of the heat he could potentially generate in front of their biggest ever crowd that informs an mjf title program you know that informs the next big step for the pinnacle it's that t- it's such a powerful and strong moment that they can like i don't want to say manufacture because it's all earned but you know what i mean that they can create with everything that they've built to this point point. this is much. Master- if that happens and then you get 10 minutes and it starts to sag or something, you're kind of going to undermine it. So yeah, have all the fun you want with the, the pre-match promo and I don't know, maybe an angle afterwards, Um, but keep the match short. I don't know if it's here, but I just want to mention it before I forget. And maybe it is in the um women's title match, but for as awesome as this dynamite is, just looking at what we've already got, and I'm not pitching a new wrestler here or anything, but I think to capitalize on this night, there's gonna be some some something that we don't expect, like a surprise, a twist, something like that. Not like I say, in the form of like the all-out debuts. You know, I'm not expecting like a Suzuki or a Cole or a Danielson, but something that you we've gone through all the previous stuff. We've imagined the permutations of the various matches in the segments, but something or someone involving themselves in an angle that we just would have never seen coming. And maybe, well, I, I think I mentioned last week. The prospect of possibly Cody having something to do with this Sting and Darby Allen FTR bit because of Tully wearing the red jacket. But maybe it's MJF. Maybe we're looking at MJF's next programme um, off the back of this because what's he really got to do after this? He's got to involve himself somewhere. Maybe the MJF, like Darby Allen stuff kicks off here. And a big visual that we didn't see coming is MJF battering Darby Allen after the tag match. Just something that on paper you don't see coming. And after the fact, you're like, oh, how did we not spot that? AW was so brilliant at that. Like, it's going to turn out tonight that we never noticed that somebody's mum or dad was a massively successful tennis player, and they're going to invoke that in a promo. I and mean, they're <laughs> like, oh, why didn't, we do a, why didn't we do a homework on that? That could have been brilliant, you know? But I just, maybe, maybe that's going to be an MJF thing because otherwise, it's not got much else to bounce into next.
2: Bounce. Tennis balls bounce. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. How do you see that one playing out, Hamlet?
3: Hopefully, um, brilliantly. Uh, I'm kind of itching for FTR to have an awesome match. Sting and Darby Allen are the perfect opponents for it because they're both equally good at taking batterings as they are getting hot tags. I expect Darby will take the worst of it, obviously, just for Sting's sake. Um, But I'd love to see FTR and Tully get the heat on uh, Sting for a little bit. Having him, like cutting the ring off when you've got Sting in your corner. Like, what a response that's going to draw from the audience, even if it has to just be a relatively short sequence because Sting's in his 60s and the poor guy's already overachieving just doing what he's doing. Like, it's a Extreme booking. It's a perfect use of FTR. Um, my patience is just about ran out with going, maybe this will be the match where we get that magic, where we get that revival magic in front of a crowd, the crowd that FTR deserved last year and didn't get. Mm. It's got to be tonight. But like, and I say that in both senses, it's got to be tonight. I'm really excited, but also it probably does have to be tonight. Otherwise, I think everybody will probably sell their stuff. Um, This should be class. Like, come on, it's going to be class. Apparently
4: FTR had a match on dog. That was sensational. I came out of nowhere being sensational, so I'm going to have to watch that. Um, that might even answer your question before hmm. um, this broadcast even begins. Like, we are going through this card segment by segment, and I'm just getting more and more hyped. I cannot find a single fault hey. with it. <laughs> God, my head. It's like, edge? <laughs> Wilborn's my head. Get your head. Get out of my head, <laughs> you <ball. laughs> not you, though. You're, you're wacky. You're like You're like edges doppelganger like the evil doppelganger he's your evil doppelganger okay I get it yeah. so he's like sweet, really brooding intense boring guy and you'll go
2: Wahey! yeah, I
4: bring, <laughs> I bring wit that's the difference <laughs> yeah something that rhymes that Um <laughs> Your Sting Darby Allen it's a ridiculous match graphic and I expect it to be absolutely incredible the whole genius of the Sting Darby Allen tag team is that Darby Allen can take these incredible beatings. He just loves it. It's informed by his skating background, takes the best bumps. And then in the corner, you've got Sting, who can do his one thing and he does it inexplicably well at his age. We've said it before, he's TNA Sting. It's ridiculous. Mm. FTR doing FTR things to Darby Allen is going to look absolutely incredible. Like their tandem secrets that. Tandem sequence that ends in the um German suplex. Don't want his head. You love that. You <laughs> love that. We we'll love that. It'll look great. I just think that structurally, this cannot fail, given that the sting and derby tag team exists to do the face and peril spot. Mm. FTR have spent their entire career perfecting. How precisely to make that babyface feel like they're in peril. And that babyface in this match is a guy who bumps better than anyone, is so fast that those near tags to Sting are going to be so dramatic and close. And Sting and Darby Allen are a genuine megastar act. 20,000 people in New York City going absolutely crazy for Sting. It's about time New York treated Sting correctly, and it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> And it's going to be incredible. Do you see Tully getting involved in this at all? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's how the storyline started. Like, maybe just at the end when you think Sting has positioned Cash or Dax for that um, Scorpion death drop, or he can grab one of them, FDR's hands, he's got them in the um, death lock, put it on the ropes. That'll cause
2: Sting to go outside. Or um, yank him out of the way when he goes for, like, a Stinger splash in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think we'll see the death drop on air, Tully. Brilliant.
4: Absolutely. Andy Murray actually has pitched Sting's fire up no cell spot. What if you fire up no cells and the Tully pile driver? That'll bring, it'll be ridiculous. Lee grade, bring down the entire house. And how big is the house? I can't, this is not going to fail.
2: We've also got, before we get to the main event, uh, the dream match, siege, we've also got a, a CM Punk live interview. He's going to be facing Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs, of course, on uh, on Rampage at this exact same venue, of course. Uh, and he's going to be pissed off, like you said in the intro. And there's not much better than a pissed off CM Punk. You know,
4: very few things better in wrestling. Very few things that are more life affirming about wrestling in 2021. CM Punk is a great wrestling storyteller. We know what he's pitched in the past. We know what he wanted to continue that was taken from him. Like, he knows damn well that the time now, he's just been bodied, he's been trucked by powerhouse arms. He can't do out and do the thing where, no matter how much the crowd loves it, he can't come out and do the thing. I'm so ecstatic to be in New York again, maybe even a dig at WWE's expense about, oh, it feels great to be in a real wrestling city or whatever. He has to come out. To put over powerhouse hops and do business for him because he's going yeah. to go over. So if he comes out leg- legitimately and does three minutes of the Phil Brooks appreciation tour again, I think that undersells the opponent. Absolutely. Because he has to go over him at CM Punk. But if he treats it like he's been he's done nothing else all week but stew and recover from the beatdown and talk about him for two minutes, call him out, do an angle, built the match on rampage. Um yeah, absolutely. No Phil Brooks all CM Punk for me tonight and what a perfect backdrop against which to do it. This backdrop could play host to Monday night raw and it would be great. Guess what? No it wouldn't. But <laughs> genuinely. So I'd say you cannot be serious. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh my god. I have thought of you think. <laughs> I think I can't follow that, can I? am. I, um, I Because this show's Christmas and birthday, I think we're getting both. I think Phil Brooks comes out and sucks up those cheers, and I think he says what he wanted to do when he saw that this company had booked Arthur Ashe, because it's something that he's seen from when he came back and when he arrived in AEW, was he wanted to come back for this. He wanted to come back for this noise. He wanted to come back for New York City, and he didn't need to go elsewhere to wrestle in New York City. But then he's also going to say, but I wanted to come back for you, Powerhouse Hobbs. Because we know that to be true. He's tweeted his name. He put it out there. This whole thing started, albeit awkwardly, because Team Taz was like, take my guy's names out of your mouth. Like, that's where all of this began. He says, yes, I came back for all of this, but I also came back for you. Don't think just because you blindsided me on Rampage, I'm blind to just who you are. And that's how you put over Powerhouse Hobbs as the opponent for Rampage, while still keeping the Phil Brooks appreciation tour ongoing. Because he appreciates the opportunity to fight Hobbs. He wants to beat him. It's a wrestling match. He certainly wants to get revenge on him after what happened and he won't have liked the feeling of getting landed on a table again. It's the first sort of dirty pro wrestling thing that's happened to him. If you, you know, the Bret Hart one, two, three kid staple was to have this really lovely, clean, fluid wrestling match. This is the ugly side of pro wrestling that he's had to feature again. So I want him to flick that switch. I want him to go from nice to super serious to super nasty. Um, And he's going to be brilliant at it like he is just going to be fantastic. I I understand why people are so desperate for CM Punk to get back into CM Punk mode because there are a few people like him at that um I just think we'll get I think we'll get a taste of both. Um I would probably hold off on the physicality myself I think at this point especially if it's in a ring. Like the fact that it happened on a ramp is an understated bit of genius of this because it's still CM Punk getting remember like when uh, 2.0 rushed to the ring and got the first shots on him And that was this big deal that the first time CM Punk is doing something in a wrestling ring, there's still a bit of spice to that. So I don't necessarily think I want to see Team Taz hook it up with him tonight because we're just days away from seeing the actual match anyway. I think Punk can do an awesome job of getting Hobbs over just with his words rather than any sort of Team Taz rush the ring.
2: Absolutely. Right. Let's talk about the dream match uh, that Road To this week on AW's YouTube channel. is just brilliant. They dedicate like 10 minutes to this. Uh, if you need to get any more hype for Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, go and watch that. Uh, and often I have to you know, do these podcasts and write very sort of long-worded questions to you to, to set up your analysis of it. But for you, Michael, all I have to say is Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, the floor is yours. And that's what the of of the fans as well.
4: To my, that completely and utterly sells itself. Um, it's quite genius in a way how basic this is because it just sells how big of a star and how great of a wrestler Brian Danielson is without them doing the... Well, let's get some wins on Dynamite second quarter to get a title shot or like to go against the champ. This is a dream match. There was no point in shying away from the fact that it was a dream match. It should be promoted as a dream match. What a luxury it is for them to have. The fact that it's on free television gets you thinking about the ramifications of the outcome. If they're going to run it back, please run it back. <laughs> don't run back stuff enough in my opinion in this company Um, this is my dream match because it's just my two favourite wrestlers ever not named Hiroshi Tanahashi or Bret Hart and I just think they've got wildly different and yet complementary styles that all I've done is be a massive nerd this past week and fantasy book spots for it I fantasy booked before Brian Danielson even arrived. <laughs> I
2: think you were still in WWE when you were booking he this.
4: Still in a- WWE when I booked this. Slipping under the knee of the V-trigger to do a single boss leg crab
2: in that fluid moment, in that fluid movement. I- I I'll pop more for that than if whatever the result of this match is, yeah. if that happens. I'll be out of my chair. I'll just be electrified if in fact they do that spot.
4: Brian Danielson doing the backflip off the top turnbuckle to evade and onrushing Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, they're studying his opponent and blast him with V V-trigger in the face as soon as he rebounds off the rope. There are one million things they can do with this. I'm just so excited because an underappreciated part of Kenny Omega's game and a part of Danielson's game, which we've not seen as pronounced over the past 10 years because he's been in WWE. And I know he's had some genuinely Danielson-adjacent matches as Daniel Bryan. Both of these men are incredibly violent and stiff with their strikes. I think this is going to be almost unsettling in how much they absolutely kick each other's heads in to use Mm. the, the lexicon of Danielson himself. We've seen elements of Danielson doing physical stuff in AEW, and it has thrilled me to an extent that I didn't even think possible when the thought first entered my head well before we left. He kicked the living out of Nick Jackson and it looked awesome. It wasn't that performative, yes, yes, yes thing, which is awesome. We tore the house down. He just rattled him, mm. just kicked him like, it was like a machine gun pellets as his feet. And we're going to see that tonight. It's is going to be brutal, intricate, incredibly dramatic. It's going to be ugly in the most beautiful of ways. Give them 20 minutes, man. I, as I said, I don't necessarily need to see a 20 minute match for me to think oh well that meets a certain checkpoint for it to be a classic i don't need it god damn it i want it mm. it's my birthday
2: and the fallout from this sort of writes itself in terms of i think we're all agreed that danielson wins this because you know he's not part of the rankings the whole story has been i'm not putting the title and you've not you know, you've been, been here for a minute you want a match sort of thing but you look on like the road, too, for example, not to spoil it too much. But Daniel, Danielson, the little scam that he is, says, Well, I, you know, I completely respect the rankings and blah, blah, blah. But I think being the champ's got to count for something. Uh, so the story's right there. And you can have still, you know, Don Callis and Kenny Omega hiding behind figures effectively saying yes you did be me yes you are one and oh but look there's all these other guys who are like you know I don't know 17 and two and stuff so I've got to face them you've got to get it to double figures first pal yeah. sort of thing and then you can do all the matches like we've we've booked before and we'll no doubt probably book immediately after this.
4: All I know is that Kenny is not winning. If in fact Danielson is going over they should still go long. To tease the prospect of the draw, it's about Ooh, time they did that yeah. again. I know they tried with um, Pack Orange Cassidy um, on that cursed dynamite ahead of Double or Nothing, but it's about time they just, in general, flirted with the idea of doing a draw, if not doing one outright, because the longer matches, that drama of oh, do they do draws here, and how suspenseful is it? That hasn't existed for a while, so if nothing else, just do that. Just give twenty minutes of this. I dream man,
2: yeah. If, if they get on the the Justin Roberts gets on the mic and says five minutes remaining, you're suddenly like, Yeah, oh, you know, I know it's TV yeah. time remaining, but you know, whatever. Uh, Hamlet, we've heard Sid's thoughts a lot about this, obviously. I haven't really heard a lot about you and and how you're feeling about it, but I sense you're very giddy as well.
3: Yeah, I, I was just going to add, but I love the draw, I love the draw as the result, actually. Um, as much as uh, Danielson winning offers that, well, I beat the champ now. I want to know, but we know what that one really is. And let's get ourselves to the title match. I also quite like the idea that um, Omega, just for a second, has been forced to find himself a little bit again, stripped away from the callous nonsense and the all of the grandiosity of the elite. He's Kenny Omega still, like he's the Kenny Omega of old, still for one of the first times in AEW as a singles wrestler. And this match feels like it could be taking place at a Wrestle Kingdom. And it goes to that draw. And Omega, because I thought he did it. He just unlocked something last week when he said yes, just for a split second, he remembered that he doesn't have to be this ludicrous heel and he can, in fact, be the best bout machine. And I would love to see that manifested over the course of a wrestling match. And it doesn't matter then if he goes back to being this coward piece hiding behind a car next week in Don Callis. You know, it was just in that moment. I think a draw would be an awesome, like, be an awesome use of the draw and an awesome result that wouldn't do any damage to Brian Danielson on his debut as well. I would wager that, like, knowing what we know about uh, Brian, he's probably campaigning to lose, so they maybe you have to talk him, they maybe have to talk him up to a draw or something like that. Um, so I wouldn't have any problem with a draw. I, equally, I think the win would be great. I don't even think it's a total disaster if Kenny Omega beats him. Imagine what that would make Hangman Page feel like if Kenny Omega beat Brian Danielson. Oh, Christ, I really don't have a chance. You know, like, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if he wins, but I don't think he, he will. But I guess the fact that we can speculate on the result um, is a real credit to AEW because you would have assumed this to be an open and shut one with this being Brian's debut. I have struggled to um, fantasy book individual spots for this match. It reminds me of when my kids asked me, the really big questions about life because they've just thought about them for the first time. And innocently, they just ask a question about the universe or the meaning of life. And it's like, oh, son, you don't quite know the scale of the thing you've asked you. And I cannot give you the answer. <laughs> this for me is the wrestling match equivalent of that. I've tried to manifest spots and moments between these two in my head. And, you know, the expectation level is such from these two that I can't. The, you know, Sidric's pitches are brilliant. And the odds and sods that you see online are brilliant. And I would kind of jokingly suggested that they go for like one of my favorite Owen Hart spots, which is the baseball kick from the dark that he does on an injured one, two, three kid. (laughs) Because obviously there's going to be that, that nice Owen Hart energy is now going to permeate through the product in the the weeks and months to come. Um, But you can pay those tributes elsewhere if you want, and you can leave that for another match. I, I don't know. Like I love this so much already that I dare not like tiptoe into their brains and try and, and figure anything out try and work out what it is that they're going to put together um kenny omega has proven himself over and over again sometimes in my opinion to the detriment of his character and his matches but that he just thinks differently to everybody else he just he just does I don't think it always works but when it works that's why he becomes the best when battle does not machine, work. that's why get he... hmm? defensive here whens it not work <laughs> I, I I don't think this title reigns been as great as it could have been I, yeah, don't, I don't think know. the christian match live I don't think the Christian match lived up to expectations. I don't think the triple threat was it could have been. I think he leans too hard into his comedic side, and I've got so much room for, for him. <laughs> so, because you asked me a question, I know, man. I'm like, doing like, it. A bit. Like, <laughs> he he's, he's amazing, but it, sometimes, like, is it an instincts thing? I don't know. Like, but I would let him do it ten times out of ten. That's the point. Like, I would let him do what he wants ten times out of ten. Because even when the stuff doesn't work, when it does, it's better than everything else out there by mm-hmm. like, by leaps and bounds as well. It's not just better than everything out there. It's like all time better than everything out there. I'll it's what puts it on- <laughs> Yeah, I, exactly. It's what puts him on people's rush more, you know? It's what kind of like sets this whole thing off in the series with Okada. It's what changes the world with Chris Jericho and so, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So yeah, I honestly have struggled to speculate on what they will do. I just know that what they will do will be incredible. Before we go, this is my dream match. It's my Rushmore match. It's the match I've wanted more than
4: anything. But I never really thought about it because I I, I thought at one point Danielson had been fed killed. If you look at that leaving letter, are you almost happy? <laughs> I got I get scared. WE uh, <laughs> uh, Jim Ross. <laughs> <laughs> AW are so good at building matches, and a lot of their matches have been so violent that I legitimately get a little bit frightened about some of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I got frightened about the full gear match. With Omega and Moxley, that build was weirdly scattered across too many different platforms, but the heart of it was, yeah, it's gonna be really violent scary. <laughs> I got scared of um the exploding barbed wire deathmatch. Shouldn't have been the match itself was great, but I should not have been scared of that finish. I got very scared of books versus Lucha Brothers. I got I just thought at least I'm gonna destroy it on top of the yeah, quite wide beam, but not that wide. I've got that same energy for this, and there's probably not going to be a single weapon used. Kenny Omega's physical timing is so great that he makes you think that he's concussed people with a V-trigger, and the fact that he does this in virtually every single match is something special. Brian Danielson has said, and I quote, Vince McMahon gets a little scared of what I do sometimes. He's a little bit too overprotective. I'm here to push myself to my physical limits. Be afraid, be as afraid as you are excited, it's all going down.
2: Yes, what a show to look forward to tonight. It really is going to be ace. Uh let's you know know do that one. I know, I just don't want to use again. It's still one last chance. Actually, what no, I'll do it on the page. Uh, uh, maybe instead of being Fed pilled, you could be Federa peeled. I don't know. Uh let's know your thoughts ahead of, <laughs> of Dynamite. Tonight. I've used all the best ones on the intro. Uh on Twitter at uh, what well, you watch. They can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at
3: we finally found your comedic baseline. Uh, Michael Humphlet.
2: Good Follow birthday boy. I'm wishing him a happy birthday and let him know your predictions for tonight's dream match on Twitter. Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Tennis puns. Uh, follow us all at what Culture WWE And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We've been having a great time with these recently. Our NXT review is available right now. Our Raw review was, uh, was a lot of fun as well. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, and of course, if you subscribe to that, you will get our AEW Dynamite Grand Slam review as soon as it comes out tomorrow. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.